Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. This, I, I just recognized, how many have been watching the Little League World Series? Anybody other than me? Okay, I love baseball, so I've been watching it. Yeah, those guys are awesome. 41,000 watched a game last night live. That's unbelievable. That's big time. That was more than all the uh, Major League Baseball games. There were three games the night before, and they had more people live watching the Little League than all three of the Major League Baseball games put together. That's pretty incredible. And the guy, it was an awesome game. Anyway, that's sports. ESPN broadcasted, that's really sports. I am not convinced that a bunch of fat guys sitting around a table, paranoid, wearing weird sunglasses, hoodies over their heads, stacking chips is sports. I'm, I'm sorry. I just haven't been convinced that card games are sports. No more than I'm convinced than spelling uh, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious is sports. But, but ESPN broadcasted spelling B too. But whatever. So they've been broadcasting card games. And because of that, card games have burst onto the national scene at an unprecedented rate. And everybody seems to be aware of, of these card games. And I told you last week, I don't agree with gambling. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. You're never going to convince me that it's healthy because it destroys families. It's addictive. And people just can't handle it. And so they destroy their whole life. But because it's been broadcast nationally, people are beginning to understand the terminology. And there's a vernacular that goes with the game. And what I said to you last week is that I want us to embrace one of the phrases used in those card games. And it's the phrase, all in. It's the concept of risking everything on, on, the, on this, this whim or on this understanding. I've got something in my hand that's great. I'm going to take everything I own, all the chips, all my family, all the risk that's involved in that. I'm going to push it to the table. In fact, I told you last week that Jesus said that unless we're willing to turn our back on our families, on our homes, on our dreams, on our ambitions, and push them all to the table, then we're really not fit for the kingdom. See, I got one amen. Uh, we don't like that concept. We like to play it safe. But how many of you know that Jesus is a radical? All right, Jesus is not this wimpy little guy that showed up on the scene. Jesus was a man's man. He was radical. He was crazy in his mentality in that you've got to give up everything. That was unheard of. Sacrifice everything to follow me. And as we know, as some of you have already done, People for centuries now have been following him in radical discipleship. And I told you that we would know whether you were all in. There's some indications that we can look at to show us whether you're really following Jesus with everything that's in you. I told you the, that one of the ways we'd be able to tell is that we would know because you would be brave. How many of you know that radical followers of Christ are brave? They're willing to take risks that nobody else is willing to take. You will love people that nobody else will love. You will do things that nobody else will do. You will go out of your way to accomplish things that nobody else would try to accomplish because if you're following Christ with everything within you, you will be brave. You won't be stupid, but you will be brave. You remember I told you you've got to count the cost. You, your courage in Christ won't cause you to be careless. You will be brave, but you will do it with the ability to look ahead and count the cost. I told you that if you are going to follow Christ in a radical manner, that you have got to be ambitious, not for your sake, not for your name's sake, but for his sake. You will be so ambitious. God, I'm, I'm, I'm not worth it, but I'm willing. 
That's that ambitious attitude that we've got to have where I, even with all of my problems, with all of my shortcomings, I will still try to further and expand the kingdom of God. And because you're ambitious, here it is, you will be accused of being arrogant. Most likely, somebody's going to look at you and think, man, he thinks he's something. Kind of like David's brother looked at him and said, you're a wicked young man that's trying to make a name for yourself when David was only concerned about protecting the name of God. And so I told you, you've got to be willing for that, willing to be courageous and to be willing to be accused of being arrogant. So this morning, I want us to go back and kind of finish this idea of going all in. One of the key components to going all in is that you, as I mentioned last week, will be brave. In other words, if you are going to go all in, you will also have to have this component in your life called courage. Paul addressed this concept in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. He said this, listen carefully, God didn't give us a cowardly spirit, but a spirit of power, love, and good judgment. He makes it clear that we as followers of Christ should have about us a spirit of boldness or courage. See, I I don't know what happens when you read the Bible, but when I read the Bible, off the pages jump stories and accounts of courageous people. Ever notice that? We read those and we're blown away and we say, man, they were courageous. One of the most courageous accounts in the Bible, I believe, is found in the account and the story of Joshua. Think think about this a moment. Moses is the greatest leader Israel has ever known. He is, without a shadow of a doubt, the greatest deliverer that that country, that nation, has ever had in its history, and Joshua is called on to follow him in leadership. That would unnerve you, by the way. I mean, think about this. You're a young man. You're minding your own business. And the leader of millions of people turns to you. This is the man that has spent days with God, face-to-face with God, knows God personally, and he turns to you. This is the man that had the ability to hit a rock and water would come out, and he turns to you. This is the man that had millions of people following him out of, a, out of, out of bondage, and he, he is their hero, and he turns to you and says, I want you to take over. Thank you. I think I'd rather work at Starbucks. All right, that's a lot of pressure. Man, can you imagine trying to fill Moses' shoes? That's where Joshua finds himself. And so Moses, in examining this young man and calling him into service, realizes and recognizes that one of the key components of Joshua's makeup and his spirit is that he must be marked by courage. In fact, listen to what Moses says to Joshua in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Verse 7 says this, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the, want some pressure, stand me up in front of two million people and say this to me. Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to the ancestors to give to them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. Moses knew that if Joshua was, was going to be effective, he had to be courageous. Then God picks up on it. It's not enough that Moses puts this on you. God comes along and says, you know what? You're right. You are going to have to have courage. So then in Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Then in verse 7, you, by the way, when God repeats himself, you ought to listen. He's trying to drive a point home. 
Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. And then he's not done. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. If I was Joshua, I would have been going, okay, I got it, God. I got to have courage. Courage. So not only did Moses think that courage was important, God thought it was important for for. Joshua to accomplish his will and his purpose. I, I'm convinced that most of us don't go in, go all in in our Christian walk. We don't risk everything. We don't, we don't accomplish everything that God has called us to accomplish in our Christian walk because we lack courage. Can't get no help here today. That's all right. I'm going to be courageous this morning. I'm going to say it anyway. See, we know that Paul said, we heard the instruction, God has not given us the spirit of fear. And we know that when we read the accounts of our Bible heroes, because we elevate them and put them on a pedestal, they were courageous. We understand all that. But what happens is when we begin to live our life, we have this hesitancy about us and this, this unwillingness to push everything to the middle of the table because... Even though we haven't been given the spirit of fear, we take it on ourselves. I'm afraid of success. I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of pain. I'm afraid of chaos. I'm afraid of weakness. I'm afraid of death. I'm afraid of people. I'm afraid of losing my reputation. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm afraid of everything. There's a phobia for everything. How many of you got a phobia? I've got a phobia. Uh, I, I don't like heights. That's my phobia. I don't like snakes. If, if you've got any intelligence at all, at all, that ought to be one of your phobias. I don't like snakes. There's only one good kind. There's only one kind of good snake. Dead one. Yeah, yeah. Right, so I don't like. I got some fears, but. We let that translate into our walk with Christ and we live our life rather than based out of a stance of courage, we fear. So this morning what I would say to you is that if we are going to be people who are going to do what God said to do, I don't know what God's told you to do. I have no clue what God's told you. I know what he's told me to do. But regardless of whether he's told you to build a church or build a fast food restaurant, or build a career, or build an athletic uh, accomplishment, a history, I don't know, whatever he's called you to do and told you to do, this is what I know. To be able to accomplish that, you got to have courage. And let, let me just say it like this. For this church to accomplish everything that God has mandated for us, we know what those things are. I talked about some of those last week. In order for us to be able to actually do what God said, passion, do this, we will have to be people that are willing to go all in because of our courage. So there are three kinds of courage that I want to say to you that we must develop. The first one is this. We have got to be people that have the courage to stay when it would be easier to go. Ah. How many of you discovered that sometimes it's just easier to go than it is to fight? How many of you know that there are moments in your life when you wake up and just say, man, it would be so much easier just to throw in the towel and quit? See, if you, if you don't know that, you ain't been alive very long. There will be moments in your existence. Some of you are going to experience them this year. Welcome to life, college students. There are going to be moments when you're going to want to get up and you're, wanna, you're going to say, I, just, I can't take it anymore. I just can't deal with this anymore. And you're going to want to chunk it all. 
You've got to have the courage to be willing to stay when it would be easier to go. See, it all, let, let, me, let me help you. I'm going to help you. Come on, t- turn your neighbor and say, he's getting ready to help you. Listen close. Let, here it is. Here's the truth. The grass always looks greener on the other side. Like the relationship you're in right now, there will be somebody else on the outskirts that you're going, woohoo, that would be nice. Right? They're, they're, they're more romantic. They, they would take care of my needs. Yeah, right. They, they would rub my feet. Yeah, sure. They would, they would feed me better. They would treat me better. They're, rom- they're more romantic. In fact, they're more sexy. Would you look at them in those jeans? I'm telling that is greener on the other side, right? There are going to be days in your job where you're going to go, man, that other job would be better. Uh, Man, the boss would be nicer, the hours would be better, the pay would be better. Uh, It doesn't matter that God's called me here. That looks better. Here's the truth. Here, Listen, 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 listen. Learn, learn, learn. Listen, here it is. The grass is usually greener over the septic tank. Some of y'all don't even know what a septic tank is. Uh, Septic tank is the sewer, by the way, for you city folk that ain't never lived in the country. Right? Usually what you discover is that when it looked better, it really wasn't. And what we thought would advance us usually takes us backwards. We have to have this courage where we are willing to stay when it would be easier to exit early. Let me ask you a question. What relationship should you stay in that all of the signs logically point towards the fact that you should exit? But what should you stay in? What will it cost you if you exit early? It takes courage to stay. Yes, it will cost you, but your decision to stay may be the turning point. Hear me this morning. Somebody needs to hear me this morning. Your willingness to stay put when God said stay put may be the turning point for something significant and miraculous to happen in your community, in your family, and in your church. The cost of staying will be less than the cost of leaving early, I promise you. I learned that in college. I happened to uh, have attended Southwestern Christian University myself, and there were certain days that it would have been easier to exit. Uh, like when they assigned me a long paper and I had to study all night for hard tests and I had no moolah money. Let me translate. When I had idiots for roommates, so y'all ain't been there, y'all loving each other right now, but just wait. my, My first semester as a freshman, this is no exaggeration, there were four of us in the old dorms, there were four of us in one room. Y'all think about that now. It was tight. And it wasn't right. Tight. And I had an idiot for a roommate. In fact, me and my best friend were roommates with these two other guys. We literally, this is no exaggeration, we literally had to lock our toilet paper in a strong box. Because my idiot roommate would use all the toilet paper and would never buy any. See, y'all think that's funny now because they buy all your toilet paper for you. We had to buy, to- are they still buying your toilet paper? No? No longer? Okay, they were buying you sandpaper anyway, so it doesn't matter. I kind of like Charmin. <laughs> they weren't doing you no favors. They were hurting you, and you didn't even know it. So there were, e- there were days that it would have been much easier to quit. But what I recognize now looking back is, is if I had ever quit, I would have forfeited my destiny.
And what I am saying to you is that if you are going to go all in, you have got to be somebody that's willing to say, you know what, until God says to go, I will stay. Let me help you here this morning. There's a question I get asked all the time. Is silence permission to quit? Any of you ever run into the fact that God can be quiet sometimes? I hate that about God. As big as he is, he ought to have a loud voice, right? He, when, I'm, when I'm wanting to quit, he ought to just say, no! But for some reason, he chooses to speak quietly. Silence is not permission to quit. In fact, my father taught me this. Until you get new marching orders, new mandates, even if God shuts completely up and you never hear him say another word, just because it's quiet, just because there's chaos, just because there's confusion, is not permission to throw in the towel. You keep doing what God said to do until you hear him say something different. Stay when you wished you could go. Elisha teaches us this powerful lesson. His mentor and leader, Elijah, is about to be taken up to, to be with God. And Elisha has been instructed that Elijah is about to be snatched out. And he's been following him. He's been pursuing him and learning from him. And Elijah looks at Elisha and says, don't follow me any longer. I'm going to be with God. And Elisha refuses to stop. It would have been easier to stop. I don't want to cross the, the, the Jordan. I don't want to cross all these rivers. The sons of the prophet come out and make fun of Elisha, and they point fingers at him and ridicule him. Sometimes people will come into your life and into your sphere of influence that will make fun of you and try to encourage you to stop. But Elisha said, you know what, I'm not going to stop. And guess who got the double portion? When it would have been easier to stop and to leave, he had enough courage to stay the course. Listen to me, college students, stay. We'll put you in obedience school right here. Stay. Good boy. Right? Adults that are dealing with bills and relationships and kids that are crazy and jobs that are difficult, until you hear something different, stay. The second kind of courage that we must have is that we must have the courage to leave when it would be easier to stay. If we're going to live all in, there will be days when you are going to be tempted to stay when it, you ought to leave. Uh, let me help you this, this morning. Uh, there are times when it would be more comfortable and more enjoyable to stay. But if you're going to live an all-in, sacrificial, obedient life, you are going to have to leave. The day will come when it would be more comfortable for you to stay in your current job. I know the ropes here. I've been here for years. I have a history. I know all my coworkers. It would be easier to stay here. And so, God, I'm just not going to leave here because I'm comfortable. But what if God said leave? I want to tell you right now. Before we planted this church almost four years ago, before years ago next Sunday, it would have been easy to stay doing what I was doing. Had it down, had all the checklists, was a machine, would run by itself. I could have just sat back and just keep drawing the paycheck. It would have been a lot easier to stay. Only problem with that was that God had said go. <laughs> Thanks. Right? Some of you need to understand that there will come a time where you will have to, if you're going to be what God has called you to be, you're going to have to turn your back on comfort. You're going to have to turn your back on friends. You're going to have to turn your back on situations that are more pleasing than what's ahead of you. But if you're going to do what God said to do, you're going to have to go. Uh, let, let me help you this morning. There's going to be this moment where you're going to have to step out and break off a dating relationship. 
or a friendship that is comfortable and take the chance that maybe, just maybe, God's got somebody out there better. Oh, so y'all ain't listening to me this morning. I'm trying to help you this morning. There could come a day when there's a friendship that you're hanging on to that is comfortable and is satisfying, and God says, get out of it because it's dragging you down. And you go, oh, God, I've known him for 30-something years. And you're going to have to walk away. There's going to come a day when against the accusations of intolerance and moral elitism that you're going to have to stand up and walk out of a party and walk out of a movie or walk out of a social setting where it would have just been easier to stay and not ruffle any feathers and, not, and just kind of fly under the radar. And with your attendance and participants, they think that you are in agreement with what they're doing. God is going to call some of you to understand that at that moment, even if it affects your reputation, you are going to have to stand up and say, I can't put up with this, and I will not condone this with my, my attendance here, and I don't care if you call it a Christian party, what you're doing is not Christian. I don't care if I paid $9 to get in to watch this. I can't sit here and take this. I will stand up and draw attention to myself and walk out even though it would have been easier to stay. We've got to have that kind of courage. Think about two significant accounts where this was true. Abraham would have, could have stayed in his hometown. He could have stayed where his fortunes were secure. He could have stayed where he was known. He was faced with vague instructions. Here they are. Thank you, God, for being so profound. Go to the country I will show you. Thank you a lot. Appreciate the, you being so specific, God. Let me know. He didn't have a GPS on his cell phone leading him to type in the instructions. Okay, we're going to go from here to here. No, just go. Thank you for being so specific. It would have been easier to stay. But he left. Peter could have stayed dry and surrounded by the other disciples. He could have waited until Jesus got to the boat and communed with him then. He could have waited. He could have, he could have faced wind. How many of you know that facing wind and wave in a boat that's about to go under is better than getting out of the boat? Okay, I, I'll take my chances on the boat, right? I have this sneaking suspicion that when he hiked up his robe, dress, whatever you want to call it, and, and got that leg out the first I think all the other disciples begin to make fun of him and point fingers at him, say, you're crazy, what are you doing? And against all of that, even when he could have stayed, he was brave enough and had enough courage to get out. Listen, you're going to have to come to this place where even when it would have been logical and socially acceptable to stay, it wasn't right to stay, and you're going to have to go. The third kind of courage that we've got to have, if we're going to go all in, is this. You've got to have the courage to ask for help when it would have been easier to pretend that everything is okay. I'm getting ready to make a profound statement to you. I hope you'll write it down. It's very profound to me. It's this. Fakers end up being fallers. That was good. It's true. Fakers end up being followers. Secrets are dangerous. See, here's my problem. We won't confess our weakness and shortcomings because we are afraid. If I tell somebody that I'm struggling, they'll think less of me. Don't worry, they can't think less of you anyway. Okay, some of you will get that later. Come on. I'm thoroughly convinced that, that we've got to have enough courage to say, you know what, I'm struggling. 
I'm broken. I, I, I'm worn down. I am weak. We, why do we do this? We honestly believe that pretend strength is real strength. So we try to fake it till we make it. Doesn't work. Peter was certainly courageous to step out of the boat. I, I think it took an unbelievable amount of courage to step out of that boat and try to walk to Jesus. But I'm not sure that stepping out of the boat was the most courageous act that he took that day. I think the most courageous moment in that whole account was the fact that when he started to go under, he cried out and said, Jesus, help. You know why I think that's so courageous? Because most of us would have just gone ahead and drowned. Because we don't want God or anybody else to know that we can't swim. You say, well, how do you know that? Because I've seen it played out time and time again. We wait until it's so far gone that we get called in when people are asking us to breathe. We have to do CPR. We're trying to breathe life back into a dead financial situation. We're having to try to be, breathe life back into a marriage relationship. We're trying to breathe life into sanity. We're trying to breathe life into all this stuff when it would have just been easier and better and, and more significantly accomplished if we could have started early. But we want to wait until there's no hope. And they say, come work a miracle. I am convinced this morning that we've got to come to the place where we cry out for help early and often. In other words, we have to be courageous enough to be honest. How many of you are sitting right now on the edge of going under for the last time and nobody around you right now even knows? Oh, you worshiped when we worshiped. And when the offering bucket came by, boy, you put it in there wanting everybody to think you got it all together. But how many of you are sitting here right now with a facade on, an act on, saying, I am so tough and I am so strong. But the reality is behind all of that, you are so broken that you are about to go down for the last time. And nobody even knows. we got to have enough courage to ask and admit that we need help. I want to challenge you this morning. I, see, here's the reality that I've discovered in Christianity right now. We can't even get you to lift your hand. How many of you here are broken? Don't want anybody to know. <laughs> Responding by raising a hand is a lost art in the church today. Nobody, Man, we used to have people run to the front when they were broken. No altar call needed. Just get out of my way. I'm coming. I'm hurt. Uh, my life is going to hell in a handbasket. My life is blown up. I uh, jacked up. I'm in so much pain. I got to get to Jesus, and I will run down in front of God and everybody. And now, please don't ask us to raise our hands. Come on, y'all. We got to have enough courage to ask for help when we need it. Ask for help early and often, does it take more courage to suffer in silence or more courage to ask for help? I want us to become all-in people, people who are at this place in our own life where we are willing and more concerned about our relationship with God than we are with our reputation. Well, if I tell people I'm struggling, I, I mean, I'm on staff, I'm, on, I'm a youth pastor. If I tell them I'm struggling, they'll think I'm less of a man of God. I don't glow in the dark. I don't wake up and pray all day long and all, day ni all night long, and I don't fast every meal. They will think less of me. Yeah, but you'll get help. Oh, yeah, 
<laughs> I'm getting ready to challenge you in about three weeks, guys, to do something about the fact that you struggle with Internet pornography. Will y'all come for that service? September 11th, be here. To actually do something about it. We won't even do that. We won't even admit to one another that that's a struggle. We would rather suffer in silence. I, I just want you to understand that the Bible is full of single acts of courage that become tipping points for the supernatural. I want you to understand that when you read Scripture, we are looking back. And when you look back, it is obvious that the people involved in those accounts should have done what they did. Right? I mean, it's obvious that David should have stood up and fought the giant. It was obvious that the children of Israel should follow Moses out, that he should stand up and become the deliverer that God said to become. That's obvious. But what I need you to understand is we're looking backwards. Certainly it's obvious to us, but it wasn't obvious to them. And their decision to go all in, in, in included with it pain and frustration and isolation and loneliness. But they were so courageous that their simple act of going all in exacted significant change. And what I am challenging you this morning is this. Be strong and very courageous. Stay when it would be easier to go. That's a word for somebody this morning. Leave when it would be easier to stay. That is a word for somebody this morning. And have enough courage about you to quit pretending like you got it all together and say, I need some help. And at that moment, that single act of courage could become the tipping point for all of history. I want you to stand with me this morning. All in. We have got to come to this place where we take a moment and count the cost and recognize that we have got to go all in. I tried to teach it to you last week through the old children's church song. Let me remind you, if you're halfway up or you're halfway down, you know, how's it go? You know, you're, when you're up, you're up. When you're down, you're down. When you're only halfway up, you're neither up nor down, right? Significant theological truth in a silly little stupid song. And what I am saying to you this morning is that living halfway up and halfway down just gets you stuck in the middle. And you never do anything for Jesus. And you never exact change. I want to challenge you this morning. College students, go all in. Those of you that are out of college, go all in. It's time... It's no longer time to play it safe. You've been playing it safe for decades. It's time to risk it all. Say, God, I'll have the courage to do what you've called me to do. Father, I pray this morning that you would strengthen us. If there was ever a moment in our history as a body, if there was ever a moment in the history of individuals standing in this room that we needed folks to go all in, it's today. God, I pray in Jesus' name we'd quit hugging the middle. And I pray that we would 
count the cost. And we wouldn't make foolish decisions, but we would make God-led decisions. And we would buy in to what you're calling us to do. God, this is what I know. There are young men and women and the rest of us in this room that are going to have to be courageous. We are going to have to come to the place where we will stick it out even when it gets tough. If you said to stay, we'll stay. Come on, make up your mind right now, just right there where you're standing. Nobody needs to pray for you about this. You've got to come to this decision on your own. God, I want you to hear my heart this morning. There are certain days when it doesn't seem logical to keep doing what I'm doing. But I want you to hear me this morning, God. I'll stay. I refuse to leave. I refuse to give up. I will not throw in the towel because I know what you've called me to do. And even though it would be easier to quit, I choose to have the courage to stay. I pray the same thing over every person here. Whatever you've called us to do, God, let us have the, the, the guts to stick it out when it would be easier to quit. Then, Father, I pray for folks in this room that there are some things and situations and relationships that would be easier to stay. It's comfortable. It's known. And our fear of the unknown keeps us from stepping out. But, Father, this morning, if you're saying to leave, I pray that we would be like Abraham and we would be like Peter and we would step out even though it looks silly and dangerous to those around us. And we would sacrifice everything. We would follow you to where you're calling us. And Father, I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice, whether they're standing in this room or watching over the internet right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would allow us to become transparent enough to ask somebody for help. We recognize that that costs courage. I pray that we would be wise in who we ask for help. God, you would put us in relationship with people that have our backs and that wouldn't hurt us. And so, Father, I pray that when we find those kind of people, we would openly admit early and often that we need help. I pray that you'd help us to do that. In Jesus' name, this is what I want us to do this morning. This is how I want us to end. I want you to find two or three people around you quickly. Turn, people that you're maybe somewhat familiar with. Maybe you don't know them well, but I want you to just... Begin to speak into their life. Maybe you need to make a covenant. Maybe you, you might have to move out from where you're sitting and go somewhere that you know somebody in the room and, and just look at them and say, look, if you need help, all you got to do is ask. Don't fake it around me. All you got to do is ask. Come on, why are only the college students doing that? I need some. See, we like to play it safe the older we get. If you need help, all you got to do is pick up the phone. All you got to do is send me an email. I will go out of my way to help you. That's what real church is all about. Anybody understand that this morning? Before you slip out, let me bless you. Father, I bless my folks today. I pray it would be a significant day in their life as they reach out and are blessed with courage. I bless them with courage to do everything you've called them to do. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. 
To find more past resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 